1: Welcome to A Few Things, where we give our greatest discoveries the podcast they deserve. I'm Claire Mazur. And I'm Erica Cerullo.
0: This show is brought to you by Ofakind. Find out more and sign up for our newsletter ofokind.com. Also, if you want to call us, that's 833 632 5463, AKA 833 kind. It's so special. It's so I've special. never had a
1: vanity number before. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's amazing. I promise I'm not going to make us talk about like. The novelty of having an answering machine um, every, time every time we, we talk about it. a phone number. But did you ever go through the phase? I never had a pager, but I had friends who had pagers. I had friends who had pagers, never had and and pager. you would have to. People would message them, and you'd have to sit down and like decode the message. Yes, yeah, I never 100%. understood how anybody did. It It was like Morse code, but specifically <laughs> for so for wild. pager for pager life. It was a very complicated system. System. Yeah. Yeah. It was nuts. Yeah. Anyway, that pager life. <laughs> Um, you know what I'd like to talk about quite briefly, quite briefly. Yes. Um, the 864 cashmere beanie of which I just bought my second. Oh my gosh. Totally. Um, cause we had it as an exclusive on the site, a limited edition last year in blue. Yeah. I did so well. I bought it. I loved it. So we brought it back in a bunch of different colors this year. I, my friend was very jealous and tried to steal my blue one. So I gifted So what her. happened? Yeah, that was so. nice of you. You're rewarding bad behavior. I know. Well, I gifted her the beige one. It's sesame is the color. Um. I love I you know I love these creative
0: color names sesame <laughs> my favorite color ever which was an Annie Larson hat that we did yeah. you know in
1: 2011 was couscous <laughs> that was a really that's <laughs> a great color, color. Couscous. Couscous. couscous yeah this one sesame not quite as exciting as couscous but I the same family <laughs> of colors to be honest I gifted her the sesame one over the weekend um She still wanted my blue one. She wanted both. It was told her it was too late. It was sold out. But I thought she looked so good in the sesame that I bought it for myself. And she commented about it. And she was right that the part of the reason it's such a good beanie besides being so soft is that it just has the perfect slouch. Absolutely. Anyway, Um, it's 10% off with a code of a kind. Yeah. Nope. Wrong. It's 10% off with a code of few things. Yeah, you're right. Oh, my gosh. You could try of a kind, though. See what, see what happens. happens. Yeah, I what don't know. Happens. It's probably a, f- a code floating <laughs> out there somewhere. The
0: minute, yeah. The phone number and the, yeah, it's all confusing for yeah, me. Okay. Anyway. Okay. So you were telling me a story last week that we that was just truly gripping. It's tell incredible. Me, tell well, me. F- first... Again. <laughs> tell me again. Let's parse this. So Domino's pizza. <laughs> yes. You're familiar. I, pff,
1: <laughs> Domino's gluten-free with yeah. banana peppers and, pine and pineapple, please. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to eat tomatoes again one day because oh I'm gosh. back on that so yeah. Um, they re- so Domino's in Russia um, ran a promotion where they said, if you get a tattoo of the Domino's logo and it has to look like the Domino's, like, yeah, it, it has like, to yeah, be yeah, the yeah. Domino's
0: logo. Yeah. yeah. I just want people to have a picture of what that like, so it's, entails. It's like it's a, a domino it's a blue piece. And half it's half blue and, blue and half it's blue and red. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I know you are like, everyone can already picture it. Everybody knows
1: <laughs> Everybody it's the Domino's. Like, with the Dom- I mean. Sure. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Not everybody orders Domino's GF as frequently (laughs) as we do. Um, So they did this promotion where they said, if you get a tattoo and you share it on social media, we'll give you 100 years of free pizza, which I'm curious about the conversations that went down in the marketing conference room at Domino's Russia, where they were like, should it be 100 years of free pizza or free pizza for life?
0: Yeah, it it really is an interesting an right? interesting thing, um, and I wonder if this is one of these things where like if I lived in Russia and understood Russian culture more, the hundred <laughs> years like, would make obviously. Yeah, like hundred years right. would make more sense to me because as an American, like a hundred years feels very weird. A totally. lifetime would make sense, which is kind of morbid because you're like, oh, you only get this pizza t- you get this pizza exactly till you die, <laughs> and we're
1: gonna mark it with your that's death. Right? No, yeah. that's true. I, that's weird. So listen, if you are really clued into Russian culture and you know the answer, call us. 833 of a kind. Yeah, please explain to us why 100 years versus lifetime. But that's not the end of the story. Everybody's like,
0: that's not interesting. (laughs) Keep going.
1: Come on. So they launched this into the universe and, you know, basically dare people to get a Domino's tattoo. And it took off like an effing rocket ship. (laughs) Truly. They, so many people, so this thing was supposed to run for basically the entire month of October. Yeah. It was so, so many people were like, fuck yeah, I'll do that, (laughs) that they had to end it within one week. (laughs) And, like, I think there might have even been something where they had to, like, certain people who had gotten it, they had to be like, no, we can only give it to the first, like, 500 people That's crazy. What? I don't even know. I might be making that up. There are up, people but who <laughs> got the tattoo who don't get 100 years of free pizza. Is know. that true? I think it's so wild. Just, like, people are so insane. But the other part of it is that you and I, I both said that we know thing. people who would have done this. I,
0: like, I understand the idea that, oh, my gosh, people are so insane for doing this. It's also free pizza for, like, Life or hundred years, whichever <laughs> is a lot of money. It is, and we definitely both know people who have enough. Ta- look, get, get tattoos like it's yeah. like going to Pilates class. Oh, totally. Like it's just like something just you a do, weekend or like a concert. Like yeah. it's just like you know. Yeah, I, sh- I should get a new tattoo this weekend. Right. I don't know what I'm gonna get yet. I'll figure it out. If this contest popped up. I know exactly what they would get the Domino's (laughs) logo in some like creative aesthetic. Oh, 100%.
1: And that also for me begs the question, how many of these people got it because they like did the math and they were like, that seems like the value proposition is there. And how many people got it because they were like, oh, you dare me? I'll do it. Like, this seems like a dumb dumb thing to do.
0: Yeah, no, totally. Because
1: they just love a dare. Um, I just love that Domino's Russia so underestimated the population. of Domino's lovers in Russia that that, that that they had to call it off so quickly. I love a marketing stunt gone wrong.
0: Do you think that all pizza qualifies? Because you know when they do like five ninety nine specials and GF doesn't qualify?
1: That's actually a great question because I have like four free pizzas on my Domino's account right now that I but haven't none used of them. because you can't use it on GF
0: See, pizza. I don't know. Do you think like the free pizza would you also be able to get free breadsticks or is it, no?
1: Is it just pizza? This is
0: such a good question. I guess we'd have to read the fine print of this now <laughs> defunct marketing
1: stunt. So if if you know how to read Russian, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> leave us a message. Oh my gosh. Um, so much to parse here. Wow. That is really a great question, actually. I don't know. I'm just, I'm so curious. I have so many questions. We saw some of the tattoos on the internet. We'll link to it they in the recap. They look real. And that was my other thing because I was like, couldn't, <laughs> couldn't somebody get a fake tattoo? Like, and how you are just they? just said they look real? Of course <laughs> they do. Well, because I was thinking, like, how are they figuring out who's, like, getting, like, a fake Domino's tattoo? I understand
0: tattoo. I, I understand. Yeah, no, I, I get it. But I think people are doing this. Yeah, I mean it was clear. Yeah. It was clear that people yeah. were doing it. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um we'll link to the to the pictures of the the tattoos <laughs> and the recap. It's it's worth a scroll. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, should we bring our guest on? Let's do it.
1: So our next guest we are both so excited about. We're both huge fans and kind of didn't even realize we had both been following him. No, for Totally. A little bit. Totally. Um his name is Coach Bennett. We just learned in this moment that his actual name is Chris Bennett. and But it was we're like,
0: sticking with Coach Bennett. We're not, no. We're it was exactly
1: it. like when you learn that your teachers have first names, and or like, see or them your in parents. the supermarket. Yeah, yeah it was <laughs> deeply disturbing. He is Coach Bennett. He has built an entire coaching philosophy on his belief in better. He brings with him a wealth of running and coaching experience with him from his days as a Carolina Tar Heel, and then a four-minute miler on the Nike farm team. He helped build the Nike Plus Run Club New York from the ground up before heading west to Portland. That's where Hi, you're Coach based, Bennett right?
2: Wow, we should just end the interview here. Yeah. It's going to be all downhill.
1: That was, <laughs> I mean, a four-minute wow. mile is hard to like, you know. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty yeah.
2: good. It's pretty good. Well, it's 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 closer to 401. You see, the, I ha- you have to be honest, because when it comes to times... You know, runners will call you out unless you're exact. Well, remember
1: Paul Ryan, his total downfall, you know?
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I don't want a Paul Ryan moment right now. So I ran 343 for 1,500, which comes out to about a 401. So if there are runners out there that are, you know, going to start doing due diligence, you know, you can, you can stop. <laughs> I called, I called my own bluff.
1: All right. All right. Well, you're, you're on the record with, with the accuracy. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your running career and how you got into coaching?
2: Yeah, I, um, I was, uh, the fourth of five kids, uh, in, uh, my family. And, uh, so I was sports was, was everywhere. There were four boys and a girl. Um, and we had a nice backyard. So it was just, we were not in the house ever. Um, when you're fourth out of five though, you don't, you're just the extra person. I wasn't really there because I was good. I was there because I had to block or I had to rush my brother in football, or they just needed another player. You know, they, they don't tell you this when you're the fourth out of five kids that you really don't actually exist as a real person. But I I was just introduced to sports. So running was, was around and it was never kind of a sideshow. Mm-hmm. Um, it was never like a punishment. Mm-hmm. It was just, it was a real sport, which it is, but sometimes people forget that, but uh, yes, yeah, so I was just introduced to it. My sister ran, my older brother ran, my dad ran, my uncle had run when he was in high school, um, but it was just like anything else. It was it was like basketball or football or tennis. Um, I didn't especially like it. Mm-hmm. I liked the idea of running. Yeah. Um, I liked racing,
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, but the, the idea of that's what you have to do every day. So it was never like, I'm going to grow up and I'm going to be a runner. Um, but there were seeds that were planted. I, I was very lucky because I wasn't forced into running. Yeah. I was able to kind of flirt yeah. for a little while and then maybe have a couple of awkward conversations with running. <laughs> and then, you know, maybe we had like a, you know, cheap little dinner And, you know, we made each other giggle a little bit. And then I stopped paying attention to my friends as much. And I was like off somewhere with running. And then next thing, you know, you know, we're holding hands and, um, you don't, you're not seeing me on Friday or Saturday nights anymore. So (laughs) I, I was able to fall in love with running the right way Mm -hmm. and it took a while. Um, and like any great relationship, there's struggles, but we've made it through, um, and it was during high school where I actually realized that it wasn't just me running. I was spending a ton of time talking to the other kids on my team about their running hmm. and trying to get them excited and motivated to do well. And, you know, when you're on a team, that's that's part of being on a team. But I tended to have more of those conversations, I think, than most people. And it kind of dawned on me that I loved teaching because I had a couple of really good teachers, and they taught differently than the teachers I didn't like. So I saw something there. So I, I wanted to become a teacher and a coach. Right around the same time, by junior year in high school,
0: hmm, you That's knew early. you knew it as a junior in high school that you wanted to be a coach.
2: Yeah, I, it's actually funny. I, I I used to write for the newspaper, and you know they give you like a little bio, and in there it said that when I I wanted to come back to my high school and coach and teach, I wanted to coach. Track and field and cross country, and I wanted to teach history. And uh, I eventually did. I eventually did that for seven years.
1: Wow. That's so amazing that you knew that (laughs) or figured that out about yourself at that age. Like, I mean, I know you're reaching Erica and you're reaching me through the Nike Run Club audio led guided runs, and you're reaching us through Instagram. And I know I'm finding a lot of motivation from you there. Are there other things that you're doing? Are you coaching individual people or teams?
2: Yeah, well, there's there's live events that I'll do. Um, There's uh, I mean, and that can mean either putting people through workouts in different cities. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's kind of how I started with Nike, uh, with the live events Mm -hmm. in New York City. And then that expanded to about 43 cities, which was a lot of fun in
1: 2015. I um I ran a race in Toronto and you were there it was the women's it was my first yeah. race that I ever ran and you introduced Joan Benoit Samuelson and I was gonna <laughs> say the like the so when Claire
0: at the beginning of the intro at the top of the intro was saying that you know we came across you sort of separately and hadn't really talked hadn't realized how much we were both fans we talked about you for the first time when we were running uh 5K together and I think we've run together maybe what three times in our lives. We've been business partners for eight years, but this is like not something we do together. And Claire is a much more committed runner than I am, but your audio guided runs really spoke to me. And I was like, "Is that cheesy that I'm listening to these audio guided runs? Like, yeah. like when everybody else is just listening to music, like you know?" <laughs> and she, speaking of storytelling, told the story like
1: while we were running, and it was a really good of way the to 1984 pass the time. Olympics that yeah. you watched. Yeah. So you introduced Joan and told this story about seeing her run the Olympics. You know, the first women's uh, Olympic marathon in Los Angeles, and I was just fully in tears by the end of it. Um, do you want to tell like an abbreviated version of that story? <laughs>
2: Yeah, that's um, that's the first memory I have clearly of of sports. There, my my family tells me that a year or two before that, during the Wimbledon final, I stuck a battleship piece from the game up my nose and had to be taken <laughs> to the emergency room. And so I don't know if I've I've repressed that memory. Um, they say I should remember it because I ruined the the event for the whole the whole <laughs> Bennett family, but. But that's the, the 84 Marathon is the first sporting event that I truly remember. And I was so into the Olympics. I had a USA shirt that I wore for probably three weeks straight. It was so dirty, but I wouldn't take it off. And it wasn't that I was looking forward to watching the marathon. I'm not even really sure I knew what the marathon was other than it was just a really long race. And I didn't know any of the history. You know, I didn't know that it was the first women's marathon. I didn't know that it had been a struggle just to get women's distance events, not even distance events, middle distance events into the Olympics. I mean, it wasn't until 1960, that there was even a women's 800. Mm -hmm. There was one in 1928, but the the news reports afterwards were saying that after the women's 800 in the 28 Olympics, that they were exhausted and winded and, and sprawled out on the track, which yeah, it's an 800, that's how you should look. But the reaction was so negative towards women athletes, they, they took it out Ugh. and it didn't come back till 1960. Ugh. Um, the women's 15 wasn't even until 1972. I mean, I, for, so as time has gone on, the significance of the women's marathon in 84 has only grown. And I think, you know, we, we forget just how recent 1984 was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, born. yeah. I mean, it's, this is not long ago that there was a fight to even get the women's marathon, the Olympics, which is inconceivable. Now when you're watching, you know, Shalane come into central park, you know, and, and win a marathon, it's, it's crazy to think that again, in 84, this was, you know, a test, but I remember walking in and out of the house and, you know, Joan Benoit took, a couple weeks later, she gets married. She becomes Joan Benoit Samuelson. But so Joni takes the lead at around 5k. Mm-hmm. So she's 23 miles from the finish. And again, I'm unaware of the move and the significance of it, but I'm coming in and out of the house. And eventually I start to realize I like, have been coming in and out of the house for a while. Mm-hmm. And this woman is still in the lead. And there was something just so powerful about that. And I was a little kid, but something drew me to it. Just, she's all alone on the LA freeway. She's got her little hat on and she's just cranking. I had no idea how hot it was. It's 86 degrees during the marathon. Yeah. I mean like it's, Mm -hmm. and she just looks amazing. Yeah. Gross. (laughs) And so when I tell the story, I usually have to talk about everything I've come to know about the event, because to me, the race only gets more powerful not just in my memory, but what it means to me now. Mm -hmm. So she's leading all by herself. People were not sure if anyone was going to even show up to the Coliseum to watch the finish. This is the first time they're going to have it. Are people really going to come out to watch the end of the women's marathon? And there's this great shot as she's on the outside of the Coliseum before she enters the tunnel where you can see people at the top of the Coliseum. You can see bodies, which means there are no seats available. Mm -hmm. People are literally standing on the bench at the top of the Coliseum. She doesn't know this is what she's about to run into. And she tells a story about she goes into the tunnel and it's dark and it's silent. And she has this little conversation with herself where she realizes her entire life is about to change. Like she's literally running towards a completely different life. And she has a small moment where she says, can she do this? Hmm. Can she carry the torch that she's about to be given? And she says, yes. And then runs straight into the light. I mean, the poetry of it yeah. is insane. Yeah. So she runs into the light. There's 100,000 people there. The place explodes. She does a lap. I'm freaking out. I'm going <laughs> crazy. This is epic. I'm going nuts. She grabs the flag, which is stapled to a broomstick. She does a lap around the track. The pay- I go outside. Now the story's not over. I go outside. I'm going crazy. I'm running laps around my house. I'm the total idiot. I come back in a couple minutes have gone by now. I mean, probably 15 minutes. And my mom is in front of the TV and she was there when, when, you know, Joni won and everything, we high fived and my mom's now crying and I'm thinking, wow, she's really moved by this. But then I hear my mom start saying, why doesn't someone help her? And I look on the screen and Gabriel Anderson Scheiss, who is a runner from Switzerland, is on her last lap. The difference is she's got heat exhaustion. So back then, there were only five water stations, and she missed the last one. And she started to suffer from dehydration. It takes her almost six minutes to do her last lap. She is stumbling. She stops sometimes. She holds her head. There are medical officials, and if you watch a video, there's, there's doctors walking next to her. Now, if the, my mom is saying, why doesn't someone help her? Now, I was a little kid, but deep down somewhere, I got it. I knew that she just had to make it to the finish line. That's, it, she's probably looking out a window that's getting smaller and smaller and smaller as the heat exhaustion is coming in. And she knows, I just have to make it to the finish. Now, if a doctor touches her, She's disqualified. Now, here's the question. And I was a history teacher, so I always pose this. Now, this is this is the moment. This is the moment of truth. Joni won the first women's marathon. The place exploded. But now let's rewind to 1928 Amsterdam, where the crowd was disgusted by the display of exhausted women, by athletes doing what they're supposed to do, which is get to the finish line as best as they can. So, how is this crowd going to react? to Gabriel Anderson Shy stumbling down the last 100 meters. So as she makes it, waiting for the doctors to catch her, she finally crosses the line, immediately collapses into their arms, and the place roars. Mm. That is why that day was so important. It was the combination of Joni crossing in victory, and then just the victory of the struggle of the marathon. So to me, whether I realized it or not, done. It was over. I never had another chance. Running was going to be it. I didn't realize it until later, but it was that day. It was both of them that kind of sold me on the sport.
1: Well, and when Joan spoke about that moment with the doctors, what she said, too, was that it was really meaningful for her or, or for it, it was meaningful in the sense that the doctors respected Gabrielle enough as a runner to not touch her, to not exactly. like ruin it for her. And that that was that felt like progress, too, in and of itself.
2: Um, oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. And the thing is, is when they were interviewed afterwards, they said, we noticed that she was still sweating. So you're exactly right. They weren't looking at it as this is a woman. Mm -hmm. they were saying this is an athlete. And because what was happening was in sports still to this day, there's a prejudice against female athletes. But these doctors knew she's an athlete. She's a runner. And by the way, her time, even with the heat stroke, she would have won the first five men's marathons even with the with a six minute last lap so these were badasses yeah and they were treated as such and and the great part is is the crowd celebrated that
1: yeah The other thing that I'll never forget that Joan, when Joan came on after you at this event and spoke about her experience with that was that she said, she described the same thing you described, which is that she broke away from the pack really early. And there's that moment in a runner's mind where it's like, am I doing something wrong? Do I need to be pacing myself here? You know, if I'm so much further ahead of everybody, should I hold back? Yeah. And she said, she reminded herself of, you know, this mantra that she really believed in, which is that you have to run your own race, which is such a great mantra, like for life and running and everything. Um, And that, to me, is also so much at the core of what you preach about when you talk about running. And that speaks to me so much. I mean, you have a guided run that Correct me if I'm wrong, I think it's 5 minutes, maybe it's 10 minutes. <laughs> like and and that's and and that's that idea of run your own race is kind of at the core of that. Like if you only have 10 minutes, that's what you've got today. That's where you are today and just run that race that that like 10 minute run that you need to do. And I think for me that that is so much of what works for me about running is like you take each day as it comes and you you do the run you can do that day
2: yeah uh, there's and you're right there there's there's a five minute and there's a 10 minute and uh but you nailed it i mean that's what happens especially with running is we try to we try to make it something that it's not mm-hmm. a lot where we try to make it a class that you go to and in our heads we think well i usually go to a class that's 30 minutes long or 60 minutes long so if i go for a run it should be 30 minutes long or 60 minutes r- long and and a lot of people start running the wrong way mm-hmm. so they don't know any better. So they think that every run should be miserable and every <laughs> run should be terrible and it should end with them exhausted and and that's just that's not true. It couldn't be any further from the truth um, which is again something that you know you hope you can you can correct over time.
0: Um, so up until today, my only interactions with you have been on a, a one-sided conversation on the <laughs> Nike Plus Run Club app, um, doing runs like first run or just don't want to run run or what, whatever. How do you think about structuring coaching when that's your interaction? Um, when you when, don't get any feedback. When you don't get any feedback and when you don't know exactly who you're dealing with on the other side?
2: Well, the, the thing is, is I've, I've gotten feedback for my entire life. Mm. Um, and I've, I've done every single one of these runs with people. So every time I write a run, it's, a, it's, just, it's a, it's literally a conversation. I mean, it, what you're not hearing is the feedback that I've been getting. So all of these things that I'm bringing up are usually because of a conversation. So it comes across as a monologue, but most of the people that do the runs feel like they're a part of the conversation. Yes, And, and that's because, We've all had these conversations. I always say that, you know, running is not complicated. Runners are complicated. So there are 10 questions probably that get asked a million different ways, but they're the same 10 questions. And what happens is, is we try to overcomplicate things and sometimes we try to get too specific. And really what it comes down to is most people don't know how to run. Mm that's first of all, they, 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 start too hard, which is, which is awesome. And if you think of it from my perspective, like I, I have the luxury of telling people they're trying too hard. (laughs) I don't need to motivate people really that much because they want to do it. They want to do it so badly that they run too hard. Yep. So I have, I have a great luxury. I get to say back off and you're actually running better. (laughs) So, but these conversations like they don't want to run, run, I have had that run just like every other runner. I mean, if if that's probably one of the highest percentage runs that you're going to have is the one where you say, Oh, I just don't want to run. I just don't for whatever reason. And we're usually lying to ourselves because we know that deep down you do want to run, which is why you're even having this conversation. But it's nice to start out by just acknowledging like, man, I just, I just don't have it today. Mm -hmm. And I'm gonna resent running for the first five minutes, which is why we go through that whole exercise of just being like, all right, let's let's get all the junk out, let's get all the negative out, because we've all had that run. We've all been there, we've all struggled. I mean, these are the things that that tie us all together as runners, is that you know, when we're not running, you're just a human being, you know. You you have stress, you have sadness, you have grief, you have doubts, you have confusion. Those are all the negatives. But those things never get a light shine on. So if you can do that, that's great. you still got the light. Now you can start focusing on, I'm a little bit deeper into the run. I feel a little bit better. I'm a little bit more confident. Here's a victory, and which is, again, people have a hard time celebrating themselves. So I get to be the one that says, look, you may not want to celebrate you. I don't really care. I'm going to celebrate you. And that coach title gets me away with a lot.
1: You know? <laughs> Something we talk about a lot on this podcast and you touch on, too, is how running relates to mental health and um, how, for me, it's been huge in managing depression and anxiety. Um, so I've been really interested to see the the collaborations you've been doing with Headspace, um, the meditation yeah. app. Can you talk a little bit about how where you see the intersection of meditation and running?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, meditation has always been a part of running. I mean, every run is a form of meditation. I think what's changed, um, thank goodness, is people are more open to admitting it or acknowledging it or being aware of it. And that's that is that in and of itself is super powerful because you know, if you if you're doing something, an activity, and you don't know that it benefits you at all, the odds of you increasing or consistently doing the activity diminish. So you're not going to get many people to run if they don't know that there's an actual benefit. Mm-hmm. Now, if you find out that there are additional benefits, the potential for people to do it more increases. All you're doing is letting people know, you know, that period of time where you're kind of lost in a run and you feel really good and you start thinking clearly and maybe you start thinking about your future or maybe you start going through your past but in a slightly different way or maybe you just kind of get lost in the moment and you suddenly realize that you are noticing every single thing around you or you just fall into your breathing yeah that's meditation you know that feeling after a run where you just somehow even though physically you exerted some energy you feel like you have more energy okay this is that meditation, that mindfulness that running gave you. And I think what's happened now is again, people are more open to saying, not only this is happening on my run, but I want it to happen on my run. And I want to know how I can explore it a little more. So it's just another element. It's like introducing people to speed work or something.
1: We have a a couple of like coaching questions for you. Gotcha. What, what are your tips for someone who's just starting out has never run before and really wants to start getting into a running routine?
2: Um, I, you have to redefine what a run is. Mm-hmm. So what you, what I usually tell runners is you want to finish your run knowing I could have gone further and knowing I could have gone faster and wanting to run again. Those are the three goals. And there is no minimum distance and there is no minimum pace. All of that gets thrown out the window. You run on effort early on. The numbers that you're going to geek out on and that runners geek out on, that can happen later. Mm
1: -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. very
2: simple. You start. If it's a two-minute run, okay, and you didn't run yesterday, that is an infinite improvement. (laughs) You're never going to get this good again. So just love it. If yeah. it's just two minutes, that's great. Because this is what happens. The goal, again, is to want to run again. Because if you want to run again, you're likely to run again. If if we're three months down the road and you're running a couple days a week and I and I call you up and go, hey, how embarrassing was it that you only went two minutes on day one? Do you think you're going to care? You're <laughs> running consistently. You feel good. This is great. We don't make fun of of, you know, engineers because they had to learn simple addition. I mean, you take your time and you want to be consistent and you want to enjoy it. I'll tell you what, like no joke, yesterday I I ran a mile. I've been running for a really long time, but it was late. I got home, my family was looking at me cuz I I'm the one who cooks dinner, so there's this expectation like when are you going to feed us? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I hadn't run yet and I was like okay, I'm going to run to the top of the the street and then I'm going to come back. It's a half mile out, half mile back. I did a mile. And this was the thing. Was it a seven mile run? No, it was a one mile run. Was it a 5k? No, it was a one, it was a one mile run. But I got back in the house and I was like, I was was proud of myself that I made myself run a mile. I was proud of myself that I got out. It was actually really nice. I thought it was going to be cold, so I was totally overdressed. But <laughs> it was one of those things where you come back and you're like, hey, it was something. I could have done nothing. The world wouldn't have changed, okay? Dinner would have been just as good. But I was happy I did a mile. So when you talk about mental health, yeah, physically was that was that... a major physical breakthrough for me? No, of course not. But I'll tell you what, I'm more likely to run today because I ran yesterday.
0: Yeah. 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 And
2: mentally, I felt a hell of a lot better last night because I got something in. So yeah, yeah, you never, ever, ever belittle an effort. You know, Uh, can you learn from an effort? Sure. But you don't ever, ever belittle an effort that you give.
0: This is too good. Um, <laughs> okay, so this is going to air right at the tail end of marathon season, like the day after the New York Marathon. And I imagine that there are a lot of people who are considering whether or not to, to, to join in on marathon season next year. Um, what advice do you have for those people?
2: Well, well, one, you don't have to do a marathon. So, like, that's the, I'll, I'll usually start with that because yes. there's a frenzy. Mm-hmm. About the marathon. Everyone yeah. thinks, you know, whether they're brand new runners or whatever, like that you got to do a marathon. You don't have to do a marathon. You don't have to do anything. If you just want to run and never race, you can do that. I think racing is a lot of fun. I think you should. But I'll put it to you this way you don't have to be a marathoner to be a runner. And anyone that does a marathon is just, they're just a runner that does a marathon. Just like when you do a 5K, you're a runner that does a 5K. You know, so. I would say if you want to do a marathon, then the best thing to do is to sit down and figure out why. And it better be more than just the fact that you want to cover 26.2 miles. Mm -hmm. Because at at some point, this question is going to pop back up. And it's usually going to be somewhere around mile 18 to 24. (laughs) Why am I doing this? And if your answer is the simple, I wanted to get from A to B, then you're robbing yourself of the experience there. And there can be multiple reasons, but it should start with something that is a higher grade fuel. than I just want to see if I can cover 26.2 miles, because I'll tell you ahead of time you can, (laughs) but that's not why you do a marathon. You're not doing any race just to get from the start to the finish. There is something that you need to be able to, to, to live through over that experience. It's about more than the distance. And, and, and that's the other thing is don't ever just measure the quality of your running by, by the numbers. Mm -hmm, I mean, what mm -hmm. you're, you're robbing yourself of some, some real, real joy, but if you do want to do a marathon, fantastic, then commit to what exactly you're willing to commit to. Is it a couple days a week that you're going to run? Is it six days a week that you're going to run? Are you going to do some strength training? Are you going to meet with a group? Do you have a time goal that's based on something? You know, there's, you can have a lot of fun. The key to anything that you commit to is the understanding that you're not committing to race day. Yep. You're committing to all the days that lead to race day. That's the hard part. The marathon's not the hard part. Signing up for the marathon is not the hard part. Okay. Putting the bib on is not the hard part committing every single day is hard recommitting to the marathon on tuesday after a rainy run on monday is hard recommitting on wednesday to a boring recovery run after a speed run on tuesday night is hard life is about a recommitment not just a commitment because a commitment is a one-time thing yeah but you've got to recommit to the commitment over and over and that's the challenge but that's that's what's exciting about a marathon to me is can you get from the original commitment to that commitment can i cross the starting line to that commitment of can i run through 5k in control to that commitment of can i get through half marathon running hard and not racing yet to that commitment of who put the piano on my back and I'm going to get through it to. I've been uncontrollably crying for two and a half miles, but I think I'm on this course still to crossing the line and then realizing that the end of the marathon is, is not the end.
1: Yeah. I have one really selfish question before we go. Erica knows I was going to have to ask it's go for purely, it purely late. Like, it is so selfish. It's, it's so self-serving. Yeah. Um, right. I'm, <laughs> I'm seven months pregnant. I am someone who. Congratulations. Has been, thank you. I've been a daily runner for like a decade, and it's been, as you can imagine, pretty challenging to keep it up uh, throughout pregnancy. So I'm curious if you have any tips for running while pregnant.
2: Yeah, I would. Well, you know, obviously, you, you always. Anytime this question comes up, um, I have to preface it with, you know, there are people who go to school for a long time called doctors that are really (laughs) smart. So you can always be talking to them. Yeah. But if we put that out of the way, um, uh, this is is what I would say. First and foremost, okay, Mm -hmm. you have to just agree that you're going to be kind to yourself. Yeah. Because you're doing something that is so incredibly, amazingly out of control nuts. Yeah. Inside. And your body is saying... I am focusing on this job more than anything else. I'm going to take from you and give to someone else. So every run you do, it's just a simple, quick, just conversation with yourself of just, I understand what's going on. I have to be aware of that. And then you can start thinking about the run because I think what happens is there's an expectation of, and this is just how humans work and and how athletes work, you know, to an nth degree of that, of, I want to do everything better than before. Mm -hmm. So you're seven months in. There are a whole bunch of things that are going on in each trimester. And by the time you get to the third trimester, I mean, you have to understand that your body is going through all sorts of changes. And there are going to be lots of pains that have nothing to do with the run, but you are going to have to take with you on the run. Mm. So the ability to run through pregnancy is, is obviously a great gift. If you can, everyone's unique. Some people can. not If you have the ability to do it outstanding, it's been shown that it's, it's a wonderful thing to do all the way through the pregnancy. The intensity can be pretty high all the way through, uh, a pregnancy, but it's just understanding that you're now going through and every pregnancy is going to be totally different. You're going through a new day where things are going to change, lower back pain, pelvic issues there's going to be lots of things that you have to take into consideration about you of whether this run is going to end with you better and mm-hmm. i don't mean better your 5k is coming down <laughs> but through pregnancy just like anything else when you start a run the question you have to ask yourself is if i finish this run how am i better Now, if it's just because you get to mark a day that doesn't have a zero in there, that's not good enough. Mm -hmm. If you're going to be suffering and in pain and stressed out, and you're going to be worrying about your pace or your distance or what you can't do or how it feels, then you have to ask yourself, is there an alternative I can do right now? Because I have to be honest with myself. And that's all it is to be an athlete, whether you're pregnant or whether you're getting over an injury or whether you're trying a new event or you're trying a new sport. It's that honesty with yourself. It's hard. There's, there's a misconception that successful athletes, and everyone can be an athlete, that successful athletes are just ridiculously hard on themselves. You can be successful, but there's a difference between being hard on yourself and understanding yourself and being kind to yourself. Mm-hmm. If you want consistent excellence, you've got to be kind to yourself. Yeah, You can be great for a moment. And you can be great for a race and you can be great for a day, but if you want to be truly great and, and true greatness is consistent greatness, you have to be kind to yourself. That's the only way it's going to last. You will never be as good as you can be if you're a complete asshole to yourself.
1: Which is also such a like pr- uh, basic principle of meditation and mindfulness too, is that, that compassion towards yeah. yourself and others. And I love that, that 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 relates back to running and exercise. Um.
0: Thank you so much. This was amazing, amazing. We are so grateful to you for, for coming on and for and for going on runs with us all the time.
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll probably talk to you again tomorrow, just you won't know it.
0: <laughs> um, that's the show. This has been a production of Dear Media. You can listen to us wherever podcasts are found, like Stitcher, iTunes, and Spotify. Follow us at of a kind on Instagram and Twitter and like our Facebook page. If you have ideas or requests for the show, email them to a few things at of a kind.com. And if you want to advertise, that's advertising at of a kind.com. For our, our intro music is Butterfield East, and it's written by the Soulful Saints, and we are recording at Alex house.